Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are. It is August 2020. Man, the year has flown by and we've been doing this stuff a long time. Indeed. Yeah, it's been, what, uh, almost three years? Coming almost. Up three years. So we are in episode 138. This is Listener's Choice 33. And uh, this topic's one that took me too long in the game to figure out and to really kind of what I would say maybe master. Uh, maybe I haven't mastered it, but I think I've come close. And this is all about building internal relationships and making those relationships count. Brian, have you ever wished you would have had a better relationship with someone internally at your company or a company that you worked for? Pays dividends on so many different levels. It's the um, it's the thing, if I'm being honest, that I can be lazy about. I can, uh, I can put that at the bottom of the list of things that I need to get taken care of, but it's the thing that produces the best dividends year in and year out. I'm sure we've all done it. I'm sure we've all experienced it, uh, and we've had... We've had this thing that has become urgent where we've needed somebody that we haven't been staying in touch with or built a relationship with, and we want our urgency to become their emergency as well, and it's just too much to ask. We've talked about similar type things many times in many episodes, but at the end of the day, hopefully at the end of this episode, you'll have some ideas and ways that you'll be able to incorporate a plan to build these relationships and maintain these relationships moving forward. Last week, we talked a lot about some outsourcing and some personal assistant stuff, or we did that a couple weeks ago, and it came up that uh, someone said told me that we didn't even bring up our, our, own, our own outsourcing stuff, and that's Prospect 360. Uh, on the TechSell show many, many moons ago now, over two years ago, we built a tool and uh, used some of our own personal assistants and built a process by which they will do the research on a prospect for you and provide a great four, three or four page report for your team. And we had a couple of those come through and I was excited to see the output that our team put together on those documents and wanted to let everyone know that we're still doing that. Uh, and it provides a ton of value. And Bobby, that, it's the Prospect 360, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's like $500 per request. Uh, no, is that right? It is only $40 per request. But Bobby, Bobby, hold on though. There's no way you can expense that $40, right? I think they probably could get away with expensing that, Brian, at $40. You're a sales manager. Would you let a rep expense something like that one day? Every week I would approve it. Every week I would approve it. Yeah, so it's a really cost-effective way to take some of the grunt work of your sales role and job out. And uh, we, we turned around one last week that was pretty interesting. They were trying to target a, a manager in this company, and turns out that uh, our team found some interesting information. Uh, one of the managers was an active participant in roller derby, and I think that's fantastic. So the, the roller derby stuff would have to be something that yeah. would be a good good conversational topic uh, for this person. Uh, and yeah, so, you think they wouldn't talk about that for 30 minutes? Yeah, they would have to be fired up, either embarrassed or fired up. I'm not sure where that yeah. ranks, but it would be a lot of good stuff to bring up. And something that most average tech sellers aren't finding in their individual contact research, 
So if you're tired of researching your own prospects and struggling to get something put together, the the two that we did last week were for executive coming to town to do uh, an event or a customer meeting. So good time to spend the 40 bucks and get it done. If you send me a note, bobby at techsaleshow.com, I'll make sure that we give you a little bit of an extra benefit in the month of August. We'll do four for you for the price of three. So if you buy three, we'll give you one free. Send Bobby that note, and I will make sure we manage that for you in the month of August. Uh, it's something that is not branded by us, so you get to take our documents, turn them right around, put your logos on them, and, and take all the credit for the work. So uh, outsource that while you're doing your customer interactions as well. Love it. You'll be blown away by the out- outcome of it. It's uh, really great stuff. Yeah, I think we have an example still on our website. It's techcellshow.com slash prospect360, P-R-O-S-P-E-C-T, 360. Uh, and you can see an example we did out there, I believe, for Box. Uh, and that's the kind of outcome you'll get if that's worth 40 bucks to you. Sign up and get one done. Okay, so this week, again, episode 138, we're talking all about building internal relationships. So again, I said earlier, this is something that uh, I didn't learn until probably eight or nine years into my sales career. And I think it's something that everybody should do and do well nowadays, early on in your career. It doesn't take a lot of work. And with the technology that we have and the electronic communication that we have and Uh, whether it be an instant messenger to uh, something like a Slack where we can have these conversations with many people across our organization, this should be something that you do and something that you incorporate on a regular basis. Um, Brian, what what would you tell a brand new rep uh, at Workday that's starting? Like, Who's important for them to get to know that's not kind of in their core team? Yeah, so it used to be actually kind of easy to do this. Uh, It still would take a lot of people stepping out of their their comfort zone, but taking a trip out to corporate because a lot of us in sales, unless you're sitting in inside sales at the headquarters for the company you work for, um, taking a trip out to corporate to go see Bobby to answer your question directly. People like the legal team, the operational team, sales support, uh, the deal desk, people that put together contracts, the inside sales team. Uh, it's just getting to know your full, um, kind of extended partnership team and then the leadership team that manages those teams. To me, that's the most important because those are the people that like help you get your job done. And those people have great connections to help you promote your career and change your career and move around in your career. Yeah. So that's a good point. We'll talk a little bit about that. It's not just important because you're going to have a need one day, but it'll definitely help in your career as well. Uh, I think we'll talk about a lot of ideas today, but it is the marketing team. Some of the kind of broader groups that every company has would be marketing the business units if it's a product team uh, whether it's human capital for you or finance for you whether it's the windows team or the office team for microsoft employees the the dynamics team we need to know all of those leadership teams across those if i'm not working for a vendor maybe i need to know my vendors maybe i need to know the partners the manufacturers the people that build the components for those things the extended teammates the people outside my region the team that trains my team. I mean, there's just so many different people that I should be knowing and should be getting to know. I even challenge you to think about your competitors. I've worked for a bunch of different companies uh, in the last 20 years, and some of it's been where I worked with a partner, a company that was a partner of mine, then they were an enemy or a competitor of mine. I still should stay in touch with those people because I have come back together and they've been my partner again. Um, And that it, it's weird how that works and how small IT is. 
So there's a lot of people you need to be talking to and knowing as it as it's relates to inner internal and external relationships. So this week we're going to talk a little bit about the what, the why, and the how. What normally happens when we should have had the relationship that we don't have. have. Why is it so important? It's not just about the need that you're going to have one day. It's, there's so much more to it. And how do we build and maintain those relationships going forward so that they don't just, you know, you, you, you're always apt to call someone when you need them, Brian, but when you don't need them, it's hard to do. Um, or it's not hard to do, but it does become painful when you only have that need, right? Totally agree. And we'll get into some of uh, kind of the way I look at that in the what normally happens section. So let's start it off. What does normally happen? You know, we, we need something normally, right? We, we get to a point where we need we need yeah. manufacturing or we need the vendor to give us better pricing. Uh, we need our manager to approve better pricing. And that manager is going to have to talk to somebody we're going to have to explain that deal to. Um, we, we might need some marketing budget to throw an event. There's, there's normally this need that's pulling us in to make a phone call to someone that we haven't talked to. And we've probably all been there. I know it's happened to me many times, unfortunately, but I haven't talked to Jane Doe for six to 18 months. And now I need to call Jane Doe and corporate and ask her for a favor. How's that going to go over? I don't know if Jane Doe's even in the same role anymore or what she's doing or her kids are. And I have no relationship with Jane Doe. How apt is she going to be to break her back to help me win my deal? Yeah, and that's the biggest challenge of all this is because you're on the backside of the request at this point. You can't, it, what, the way I think about this, Bobby, is I think about it as equity. Like you have to build equity in relationships and then spend that equity at the appropriate time. And if you're in the back half of this request and you need something tomorrow, tonight, next week, in some sort of time frame that's going to put an extra burden on somebody else's shoulder, you're going to burn equity. And if you have not established that equity, you're in a deficit like right off the bat. No doubt. And even that's great if they do do the work and they spend it for you. How do you think they feel if you lose the deal? We've talked yeah. about this many times. Winners want to ride with winners, you know. And so if you're going to ask for it, make sure it really is the ask you need. Um, and then make sure that you really do turn it around. Too often, and I'll jump to, to another thought that isn't even in the agenda here, but too often I hear people either win or lose when they have this big ask, and they don't even follow up with the team that put in this effort to help them, right? Mm-hmm. They don't even say, hey, thanks for everything you did. We want it. Send them a handwritten note or anything like that, and they don't ever tell them when they lost, and they end up hearing about it at a business review or something like that. It's just, it's just no good. You're losing equity in every one of those circumstances. And, and this gets exacerbated because oftentimes if you've not built any equity or relationship and it's just a pure ask and it's under the gun, they're going to be frustrated by this thing and they're probably not going to respond the way that you want them to. It may not even be their job to respond the way that you want them to. So what I see oftentimes, Bobby, as a manager, uh, you know, at Workday and at Microsoft is I see people leverage my role to do their dirty work. Like mm-hmm. they messed up on some sort of timeline. They had some sort of under the gun request. So it's like, I've not built equity with this person. How can I leverage someone else's relationship or someone else's authority to make happen what I want to have happen? No doubt. And again, I'll say it again, your urgency will not become their, their emergency, right? Like the fact that you've got two days left in your quarter is not a big deal to them probably, especially if you haven't been building that relationship with them for, for a long period of time. Um, Tons of examples, but I think we all get what normally happens. We're under the gun. We need help. We ask someone for help. How many times, I don't know, Brian, whether you did it at Microsoft a lot or not, 
But how many times I, I saw it a lot in the Dell EMC world? Do you think partners last minute call the vendor and say, "Man, if I could just get ten thousand dollars off, we could win this deal," or vice versa? We we at Workday we have partners that deliver our services, so it's us calling the partners. Hey, man, we could get this thing done if if you could just come off the services by five percent, six percent, twelve percent. We need your help. Can we partner here? Meanwhile. No one's returning that partner's calls when we're not working deals. That yep. request to go to lunch gets pushed off because we're too busy because of X, Y, and Z. But when we need it, we need it. We need it. And so we're and we're not ever hesitating to ask for mm. it in those circumstances, which is, it's a shame, but it is the reality of the world that we live in right now. So let's talk about the why. Why is it so important to build these relationships early on in your in your lifespan at a company or in a particular role um, I've got a horrible story that I'll share but uh, it's not just important because of the, the the need that you want to get filled because you're gonna still win some of those deals you're gonna still lose some of those deals but I think more importantly I think this sticks with you like are you a relationship guy or not are you the guy or girl that's gonna call and just ask me for something or not you, you talked about equity but I talk about kind of wins and losses like how many times am i known as the guy that's only going to call when i really need something or am i going to be known as the guy that cares about people cares about helping others be successful and then is portrayed kind of as that person that should be a leader in the organization leaders help everybody individual lone wolves don't do that and they end up burning some bridges along the way uh i mentioned eight or nine years into my career i, I don't know why this one sticks out to me so much but i was i was at microsoft probably in my third or fourth year probably third year working for a guy in houston was helping me kind of grease the skids for no better term to become a manager we had just had a blowout year uh and i was up for a promotion at microsoft it was more like a level promotion i wasn't i wasn't going to get his job quite yet but i was going to get the next level promotion within Microsoft, it was it meant a lot of stock, it meant a lot of money, it was going to mean that people were going to see it and be recognized. And he let me know pretty bluntly that after the year was up that he kind of pitched it to a few people. They kind of always stack ranked everybody in those days. And not enough people knew me. Actually, no one outside of my own team kind of knew me and knew what I had been doing uh, at that point. And it was a shock to me, but I had realized that from the business unit to corporate to the to, to all the BU's marketing, the the team that he was talking to about allocating these promotions, I was not seen uh, like I thought I had been seen because I was winning locally. Uh, know anybody or ring a bell, Brian, for anybody that that has doing that kind of a of a job, doing a great work, but not really helping the bigger picture. Not not building the bigger picture. Not building equity in other people not investing in others. And I, I don't remember that, that part of you because you, when you and I kind of first started working together, it was when you were my, well, we were peers there for a little bit and we were working together on a lot of deals and I was working for you and you were helping get me promoted. Uh, but uh, yeah, when you're not investing in those types of relationships, when it comes time for you to, to get that next role or to be, um, to need sponsorship from someone else if you're not invested in it, then uh, yeah, it's going to come up short. So what I do recall and what I didn't know, what I thought I was doing from a, like a cross group collaboration and stuff was still based on my role. Yeah. So I had been in three different roles 
And people in those roles knew me and people in those teams knew me across the country, but the leadership team and the people that were in control of that, that promotion didn't know me. And this was a big time. I had one gold club. We were going to Hawaii. I was like, this is crazy. I, I, I thought the whole company, but think about it. Microsoft's a huge company. Uh, and the, the level that I was hoping to achieve, there weren't, there weren't tens of thousands of people at that level. There were maybe thousands of people at that level, which was still a very small percentage point of the entire company. It was, it was the relation of a manager in an individual contributor role was kind of that promotion that I was looking for. So it took, took six more months for me to get the promotion. But what I realized was I truly was a lone wolf. I was doing a bunch of good work. I was grinding my, my elbows to the bone trying to get all this work done. But I was doing it with a small group of people. And I started really expanding my reach. Mm-hmm. And it started on that trip, that gold club trip to Hawaii, where I really started meeting people, tried to build relationships, both leadership and then cross groups across the country. I met a bunch of business unit people. I met a bunch of services people. It was kind of just perfect timing where I went to a, a, a club trip with a bunch of overachievers that were from all different business units and stuff and worked really hard on that trip to build relationships and have reasons to follow up when I got home. And those things, those people I'm still friends with today uh, and still have relationships and could call them and ask them for help. Most of them are probably on a call 10 list that I'll follow up with them in, in the next week or month. Uh, and it's important to keep those because you never know. We we will cross paths again. And my internal value went way up. I think my external value went up. I think my career trajectory went up. And it was just because I decided to make it a point to try and build those relationships and keep those strong throughout. Yeah, and for me as an introvert, this is uh, this is a challenge because it's not it's not instinctual for me to want to build relationships and to keep investing in those relationships. And it's not because I want to be a lone wolf. It's not because not because I I don't want to invest and build equity in those people. It's just I don't enjoy I don't gain energy out of doing that kind of stuff. And so what I've had to do the the way I've made it kind of work for me, and I got kind of forced into this. I, so they're kind of a fortuitous series of events helped get me to to London with Workday. Um, me being out of my comfort zone in London, and we'll talk about some of kind of the tactically how you can build and maintain these relationships next. But um, that kind of put me out of my comfort zone a bit, and uh, kind of for- it kind of forced me into this work culture to where I needed it. Like I had to be invested in other people's success, and it this paid off and continues to pay off in in great dividends for me. There's a there's a gentleman that was the CFO of, of Cushman and Wakefield in the UK, uh, Tim Wakeford who uh, joined Workday and I helped him get onboarded and helped him kind of learn the Workday culture and get indoctrinated into the other teams. And this guy continues to be, Tim is a fantastic man, continues to be a supporter of me and my career. Uh, he helps my organization in the United States with deals all the time. Bobby, we, we closed a deal last month with a credit union specifically because he had a conversation directly with the CFO. Wow. And he did that because because I had invested in his career and like he, he sent me probably two follow-up notes like, Hey, I just, you know, it's been a, you know, been a year and a half since you left. I just want you to know how much it means to me. And again, as an introvert, that's hard. It's hard for me to do that, those kinds of things. But I found that I, again, I don't want to get too deep because we're going to get into the how tactics piece of this, but um, doing it on a one-on-one basis, kind of non self-promoting basis, it can be done as an introvert as well. No doubt. And, and the, the dividends, we keep using that word, will pay for years and years to come. 
as long as you maintain these relationships. It's like anything else. Once that chasm begins begins to build six, nine months later, it's kind of like you're starting all over. It's kind of like you're making the bad call to ask for something. So let's talk about how do we build and maintain these relationships. Um, I think it I think it can start today, tomorrow. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast on a Monday morning driving into work, call somebody, build a relationship, figure out somebody that you may need in the future to help you or to be a part of the business and call them and ask them how you can help them. I think this is been something that I've tried to do really well since that eighth or ninth year. And I talk a lot about, you know, using call 10 as that thing that, that strives me personally every day to pick up the phone and call somebody and stay in touch. But if you can do it authentically, I mean, truly be authentic when you call this person and say, Hey, we've never met. I work in Houston. I work wherever you work. I sell to these type people. What do you need from people like me? Uh, to get your goals accomplished or your job done easier. And they'll have feedback for you. No question. Yeah. Who's who's doing it really well? What what other seller, what other RSD or sales manager do you see that's doing this really well? Can you connect me to them? Um, you, you know, there's an, what what event right now is underrepresented? How can I help you? How can I help support you in that event? No doubt. Even even. Even the asking for that connection, while it be is a good thing to do, it's like try not to have any asks on that first yeah, phone that's call, fair. right? But yeah. but when they say Brian's doing it really well, well, good, do you mind making a warm introduction to Brian? Think about that connection and what that withstands. They made the introduction, they're bought in, they're going to help you, they're going to stay on your list of people that you can follow up with. Hey, you introduced me to Brian a month and a half ago. Brian and I just worked on closing a big deal together. It's because of you. Thank you. What more can I do for you? Yeah. It will continue to multiply if you put that together. I promise. So today, when you get to work, pick up the phone, call someone. Tomorrow, if you're if it's as late at night and you're listening, tomorrow, make a list of people that you should start to build relationships with that kind of go beyond your team. Ask your manager who's important to know. And I'll tell you, this is not – as Brian said, whether you're introverted or extroverted, this will not be easy because the noise will always win. This is one of those proactive things that average reps don't do. You have to have this on a list that you're going to keep up with or it will fall through the cracks. It's just like prospecting. It's the first thing that can fall off your list. No doubt. And Brian, I'm the partner guy out of this two-man partnership. Oh, yeah, so we know that. <laughs> back in those days... I, many, many times as a sales manager at Microsoft, I'd call the reseller and say, hey, man, we need a point or two here. We're gonna we're getting stuck. I need your help. I need your help. I need you to throw something else in. And I know you can't discount my software, so why don't you take a little something off the other deal or whatever else. It was always one of those asks. And I, and I think it's really important for individual contributors, managers, all team members to take time to get to know people beyond just the sales team at your partners or your vendors. I think they really are critical. I think that we most often only know and engage with these people when deals start going south. But if we could have those lunches, build relationships, attend their lunch and learn, shake their hands, ask them what's going well, what's not going well, be authentic and try to find ways to help their business grow, then when the ask does come, it's going to be a little bit easier to get the, the, the request you have and to partner with these people long-term moving forward. Totally agree. And so, Bobby, the way I look at it, like tactical ways to start building relationships too, because I, from a, 
you're right. From a partner standpoint, that's one, you know, that doesn't, that's not the first thing that crossed my mind, but you're right. Like when you're in the thick of it and you're in war, that partnership, there's, there's two sides, there are three sides to that offer and you're going to need help getting it done. Um, we talked about with marketing, like just setting up meetings to understand how can my, how can I, or how can my team better support your team? I, at Workday, I would set up, t- uh, meetings out in Pleasance in our headquarters. This is back kind of pre COVID days. And I would just sit down and I would meet with legal. I'd meet with sales operations. I'd meet with our deal desk. And I would, I would meet with the leaders of those groups, whether I was a individual contributor or a manager of the team. And I would just talk about what's working well, what's not working well. How bad can legal screw up a deal? Like how much, how oh quick can legal throw into a tailspin. blow up a deal, right? Yeah, so throw it to a tailspin. You, you might not think about legal being the person you need to get build a relationship with, but just think the verbiage of a sentence that a customer has a real problem with and the, the legal team has a real problem with could end a deal. Like there's a way to work through those situations, but you know what you need? You need legal to pick up the phone and call the customer's legal team and spend hours working on it. They're not going to do that just because you you have an emergency tomorrow night to get a deal done. They won't. And, and what about just even when we're going to say no to something that the customer says on the form, you could, a, a legal operations person could just say, no, we're not accepting that. Or they could say, no, but here's why. Here's why, here's why this, it doesn't make sense for us to do it in this context. But, but here's what we can clear up for you because there may be a misunderstanding there, which is far different than just, no, we're not doing that. No doubt. No doubt. Setting up uh, calls for best practices with strong peers, whether you're, again, whether you're a first-line, second-line manager, individual contributor, is just setting up meetings with best practices with people, other account executives that you know. Because, Bobby, like, when have you, I I know I have, set up, you know, slacked someone, sent a message to someone saying, hey, I heard you closed a deal in the banking industry that closely aligns with the prospect that I'm working with today. Is there any way that you could reach out to the CFO and have them reach out to our CFO on the deal? And if you're always that guy that's pulling and not ever pushing, not ever reciprocating the partnership, or if you don't have that reputation, it's a beatdown for them to receive that text or phone call or Slack message from you. But if you're the guy that set up uh, best practices meetings, hey, I, I this outreach campaign, this email campaign, this marketing thing that we did, this proposal that we put together, if you're constantly the person that's kind of sharing and giving back to the other account executives or sales leaders, then when it comes time for you to have an ask, that person wants to be aligned to you. They want to say, I helped so-and-so because that they, that person is known in the community as someone that gives and gives and gives. No doubt. Uh, setting up mentor meetings. So um, this is one that I love doing now. Like it's, it's probably one of my favorite parts of my job. There's, there's um, people in our inside sales organizations that are like the hardest working people that they're mobile so they can move anywhere in the U S or in Europe um, they work their tails off. They understand the, the, the products and they want to get out in the field and be a person that helps support, get those, those people out into the field and help get them their, that next job. Because it's very likely like Bobby, how many times have you seen, I, I still track these people on LinkedIn, soft choice, the first tech company, I like first big tech company I ever really worked for, like starting 16, 17 years ago, the top inside sales guys are VPs now. VPs or first line managers or second line managers, because they had that, like you could see that in them then. So I, I guess the point is here, like look, look towards the hardworking people in the organization, no matter what level they are and add value to those relationships, because those relationships will pay dividends for you and for them for years to come. 
love it. It seems obvious, but we we talked about it. Marketing's one that's big. I think anybody that can control logistics, the manufacturing of something, if you make it. Um, you, that I at Dell and EMC, man, there was a long list of hardware things that I learned. One of those was kind of it does depend where you're at in line of of your product getting built and how fast your customer can get it. Dell still today, I'm sure, no question, publishes their lead times on every product they sell to their sales team, uh, and it can make a huge deal. So you want to know those people. You want to try and make sure you have some equity built so that you can get to the front of that line and help your customers be successful. I said it earlier. I'm a little passionate about it because it was my blog post, but call 10 is something that I really do every day and still do every day and try to stay in touch with people, whether they can impact me today or not doesn't matter. I think that uh, I've proven over and over again that those phone calls and those relationships mean more to me than than just the next thing that they're going to be able to help me with. Uh, and people still take my calls and pick up the phone, so it truly does work. So to wrap things up, we have talked a little bit about the the what, the why, and the how to this week. It's all about internal relationships. There's reasons to do it beyond just getting what you need from people. Uh, and you should do it every chance you get. In an upcoming episode, uh, that kind of challenged me or battled me for this week's episode is going to be kind of lessons from a coach, lessons from a sales coach. It is it is amazing how many things I'm working on at the same time with multiple people. There are some clear signs of what kind of everyone struggling with or don't do well or should be doing better. Um, so we're gonna. I'm going to give you a little tease to our, our series coming soon on lessons from a sales coach. Um, I think the biggest thing to wrap this series is if you are authentic, uh, it'll mean the world. If you help first before you need help, it'll mean the world. Uh, and if you stay connected and build really real relationships with people, it won't be hard to ask for help when you need it. Anything to add, Brian? Only Bobby that average is the enemy. Don't be average. Average sucks. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.